thousands, someone stumbles upon my work, right? So maybe they do some money meditation. Maybe they read the book. Maybe somehow they have enough for the first payment of a payment plan for one of my courses. And it's like they get in there and they begin to see things differently and they begin to open up to opportunities and they begin to feel better about themselves and they begin to feel more empowered and something shifts. That could be a million things. It could be the way they talk to their husband about it. It can be the way they're suddenly unavailable for being spoken down to and placed below someone else. It could be that, I mean, often it's just something really unexpected, like some kind of, I'm like, side project or gig or a random check in the mail or uh, I mean when you open up to limitless possibilities a lot of different things can come through but like and the way the money comes through is important but it's not as important to me as what happens when a woman or anyone else gets fully unavailable to not be in her power anymore. Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now, fresh from a run, still sweating, drinking some of the good stuff. Nice cacao smoothie. Much better than a pint of uh, cider, which used to be the norm back in the day. Long, long time ago. Long time ago in Bethlehem. Right, what do I got to say to you today, folks? We're going to be talking about a man. We're talking with Amanda Francis, the money queen, in a minute. But before we get there, you don't have to spend any money if you want to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol without craving. Because, sounding like an ad, if you want to receive 12 days of free training from yours truly on that very topic, me delivering my five step uh, process that worked for me to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol without craving then head over to www.1000daysober.com, click on the page that says free stuff, and you'll find our way into our private Facebook group. Training starts on the 18th of February, and this content that I'm going to provide you uh, is worth thousands, and you will love it, all right? So get over there as soon as you can. Get to the website and find your way there, okay? Starts on the 18th of February, so get in as soon as possible. If you do like this podcast and it has been helping you, then please uh, pass it on to somebody else. I'd be much obliged, okay? Right, so if you've ever told yourself you can't afford something, then that's completely understandable, right? However, we shouldn't limit and shrink ourselves because of the beliefs we've formed around our finances, Learning how to look past our ceilings will help manifest energy that will bring us abundance. And we all want abundance, right? This is the experience and lesson that Amanda Francis shares and resonates with so many others. In this episode, Amanda Francis talks about how we can overcome the fears and anxieties surrounding money. She shares a new way of looking at money and how it has significantly changed her life, okay? So tune in and uh, be motivated by what Amanda has to say. A little bit more about Amanda Francis. In the personal development world, she's wildly wildly and widely known as a money queen. Through her wildly popular digital courses, highly engaging social media presence, the weekly And She Rises podcast, an ongoing mastermind for high-level women entrepreneurs, and through her daily free inspirational content, meditations, and trainings distributed across the social media channels, she empowers women to design lives and businesses that they're wildly obsessed with. She's written for Forbes, Business Insider, and Success Magazine. Her mission is to get the power of money into the hands of good-hearted women who are here to change the world. 
Combining her background in ministry as well as mental health counseling with practical business advice and a deep knowledge of spiritual and energetic principles, Amanda isn't quite like any other business coach you've ever encountered. A true self-made woman. While putting herself through graduate school, Amanda taught herself how to build her first website. And nine years later, Amanda Francis Inc. is a multiple seven-figure yearly brand grossing $3.6 million in 2019. She credits her success to her sheer determination, a deep desire to serve others, and an unwavering belief in her own dreams, okay? She's a native of Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, but in July 2016, she moved to Hollywood, California, okay? The reason that I went out and asked Amanda to join us on uh, on the show, uh, twofold. One, I myself, in November, slipped into deep scarcity around money. Uh, I decided to leave the poker industry, lock stock and all smoking barrels, and to spend 100% of my time uh, building 1,000 Days Sober. And uh, it was a decision that really frightened me and really shook the foundations of my money beliefs. And I went into a deep scarcity funk. Somebody suggested I read Amanda Francis's book, Rich as Fuck, which I did. And it helped me get out of a uh, state of scarcity and into wild abundance as far as money is concerned. The book is fantastic. And it really helped me and I wanted to help you. And I'll tell you why. I've lost count of the number of people that write to me privately across social media or email asking me to help them to stop drinking or to have a better relationship with alcohol. And whenever I mention money, uh, the most common answer is I can't afford it or I don't have it. And I want to change that response to I can't afford it right now, but I'm going to find a way to make it happen. I can't afford it right now, but would you help me find a way to make it happen? Okay. Those are the conversations that I want people to have. I want them to start thinking about how they can make shit happen or have faith that it is already happening around them, which is what I did. I I decided to get rid of the how and I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this shit. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to step into my power, right? We all need to find a way to invest in ourselves financially, physically, mentally, and spiritually, because nobody else is going to do it for us, right? Like we have to take the initiative. And that's one of the things that we talk about uh, with Amanda is, yes, we realize that there's an energetics at play here, but that is just a catalyst to some really focused hard work and action that you've got to put into play to make shit happen for you, okay? So Without fear ado, I'll shut the hell up. I <clears throat> can't even talk properly. Got a cacao nib stuck in my throat. And I'll leave you in the capable hand of the amazing, the incredible Amanda Francis. Welcome, Amanda Francis. How's life? It's fabulous. How's life for you? It is absolutely amazing. I'm very grateful to get this opportunity to speak to you. I know time is very busy for you. I'm going to get us started by telling you a little story that is kind of familiar in my work, and then we can use it as a point of discussion to get into the whole the money mindset issue. Um, okay. I have a private Facebook group where I help mm-hmm. people quit alcohol, and there was mm-hmm. someone in there recently, and they were talking about how they desperately need some help and desperately need some support, and what they're doing at the moment isn't working. And one of my gang reached out to them and said, hey, like, just get on a Lee. He has this subscription service. It's 40 pounds a month. There's loads of um, support in there. It's really helped me. And then the response was, oh, I don't have any money, right? Yeah. And, and I get this a lot. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I'm just thinking straight away, like, yeah, that's that's not true. 
there's there's layers and layers and layers of stuff going on underneath that. But let's let's yeah. use that as a starting point. What's going on there? Oh, I just have so much to say about that. I don't even know where we're gonna start. Uh, and that's a great intro. P.S. So okay, so many layers. So <laughs> I'm just gonna say this first because it comes to mind first. Is people used to say that to me a lot. People don't say that to me anymore. So I'll just say that to any entrepreneur that's listening, we'll just kind of go there first and then we'll talk about other things going on inside of us. Mm -hmm. But the reason people don't say things like that to me anymore is because, well, I'm kind of unavailable for that conversation. I think my energy, my way of being, my way of speaking, my my way of teaching calls bullshit on that entire idea. Mm -hmm. No one would say that to me. So I'm going to say that first. So sit with that. And then the other things I want to say is like, oh, there's just so much. Money is always an available resource. Like money is an infinite and unlimited resource. They're always printing it. It's not going anywhere. Like it's always in circulation around the planet. Our ideas, our problems are around how hard it is for it to get to us. You know, like what perceived... And I don't want to say just say perceived because it's not that they're not real and not based in truth and not based in our human experience, but it's that we perceive things as barriers. We perceive things as impossibility. We perceive things as we're not special enough for this. Like this doesn't happen for people like me. Like this could never work for me. I'm not someone who can just spend 40 pounds on this. That's not who I am. That's not how I was raised. That's not what my parents taught me. That's not what people who have the kind of job I have can do et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's more of like our thinking and our perception and our ideas around how much money we have, how much money it's safe to spend or not spend, et cetera, that perpetuates the patterns and the experiences we have with money. Does that make sense? Like you read this in the intro of my book, but it's the thing I explained about the hotel where it's like, in my mind, I wasn't, I was someone who couldn't stay in a hotel like that. It wasn't because you know, I mean, there was a million ways I could have stayed in that hotel. I could have put yeah. it on a credit card. I could have saved up for it. I could have called and asked for a special rate. I could have looked to see what was on Groupon. I mean, who knows? There were there were ways. But my mind said, five-star hotels are not from a little girl from Springs, Oklahoma, who's putting herself through grad school and trying to start a business. That was just the idea and the construct. Hmm. You know? Okay. Two things that are coming out uh, of that for me straight away. Uh, one... One is the the blocks that have been created by you know society and culture for the person who made that comment. But there's also a little element that I need to look at as well, right? Is like how am I attracting people? Yeah. How can I how am I attracting people like that? Because you know, there's only so far that I can go to help them until somebody has to put their hand in their pocket in order to get more coaching. So there's work that that I'm doing right now around that, right? Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So I love to give free content. I mean, if you go, if you look at my YouTube or my podcast or my Facebook or my Instagram, or like we could go on and on. I've been delivering free content like at least weekly and more often daily for like a decade. I mean, there's a lot of content. So I love free content, but it like it's about the energetic exchange. It's like, yes, you can only do so much until you're invested. You can only do so much until you said like, this is meaningful to me and the amount of money I'm putting down is a bit of representing the meaning of how invested and engaged and ready and prepared I am. And you being someone who facilitates growth and change, 
yes, you can only give so much time and energy until there is some kind of compensation and your work is worthy of compensation. Mm. You know, like that's the deal. So I guess for me, it's been a long journey. So there was a time where it was like someone would say, you know, I don't have the money for that. And I, I would more get into like, um, I would like view them as a victim. Like I would woe is me for them. I'd be like, they just can't. They're a teacher. They're at this, they're at that. Like I believed in the limitations. I believed in the struggle. I believed it didn't work for everyone equally, right? Like that was in me, you know? And then over time, it became a bit more like, wait, the more I, because, you know, I was a therapist and a life coach. I wasn't teaching on money at all. So the the more time that went on, I was like, wait, as people kind of feel better and open up to the idea that wealth is for them and money is possible for them and all the ideas and history and patterns and beliefs that say um, that it isn't half truth to them, but they are not, they're our ultimate truth. Like as people do that, I just, all my clients ended up having more money, earning Mm. more, receiving more, expecting more, spending more, like the whole, like their financial life improved as they became open and as we dealt with limiting beliefs. Right. And so like, I began to see money differently. And I watched how many worked in my own life as I made no excuses, but showed up willing to receive, you know? Hmm. And I mean, it kind of just sent me on a whole journey where I was like endlessly fascinated with money and like, here we are. But yeah, I think when you, to, to answer it for your life, when you and your business, when you view people as powerful, when you view people as capable, when you view money as infinite, when all of that is what's going on in your internal reality, the vast majority of the time, that's what's going to be reflected back to you. Mm. And when someone does come up to you and say that they can't afford something, it doesn't trigger anything in you. It doesn't ping anything. It doesn't, nothing in you says like, oh, my prices are too high or, oh, like nothing in you says you're doing anything wrong, right? There's nothing, there's nothing to reflect back any uh, like weirdness or like kind of like messy energy. So when you're clean and you're sure that you're worthy of compensation and like you got all your stuff sorted, then the person says that and you're just like, cool, well, here's some more free resources. Like we love you. If you ever want to get into a program, that's great. And you kind of like let them go and then you're not attached to them and they're not attached to you. And they come back later and pay you because they're ready and because the exchange is energetically clean, you know? So it's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally get it. When you you said that... um, when you said that there's uh, an unfortunate byproduct of this that we could, if our mental state isn't right around this, like put some or our energetic state, put somebody in the role of victim. Well, that yeah. kind of speaks to me because like in this case, for example, there is a part of me, an old part of me that like wants to be the hero, right? Like I, yeah. I want to be like, oh, but, but a hero in a certain kind of way. So I don't want to be like, oh, I'll give it these to you for free. But my hero in me wants to say, you think you don't have 40 pounds a month? Of course you do. Let me help you to figure out your problems because the, the beggar down the road gets 40 pounds a day. To, that's my mentality. And it's, yeah. I don't like it. It's like, please no, stop that shit. It, well, you just can't do it if you want to grow a business, right? So there were definitely years where I was with people in like Facebook DMs or whatever, or over email, like really talking them through like how to work out the payments or whatever. Mm. Um, and it was fine. It was fine at the time. But if you want to yeah. grow a business, you know, and you want, like, I have hundreds of people in certain programs, thousands of people of other programs. I have hundreds of thousands of my audience. Like, I just can't have the conversation with everyone. So it, it's become more effective to have, like, my stance on it, what I know and believe about people. 
And when I do get a moment with someone in a DM where I can coach them through something, it's great. And I'm thankful, but I don't let people believe that they're like reliant on that. Like Mm -hmm. when you read the enrollment pages for my courses, the language is often like, trust yourself. Does this feel right to you? Is this speaking to you or calling to you? Like, I don't want anyone in that didn't make the decision to enroll out of their own accord or own decision. I want them to be like in full autonomy vibes when they decided. So that's another reason I don't like overcome objections or coach people through things. It's, It's very much like, if you want this, I would love to support you. If you don't, there's so much free content out there, like have a beautiful day. And I think that makes it, really easy for people to trust me because there's not a lot of sticky energy in that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I, for my, like I read uh, Rich as Fuck and I yeah. just didn't, I enrolled in the, what I applied to enroll in the money mentality makeover. You're on gonna, the wait list. Yeah, I was yeah, going yeah. to get it for my wife for Valentine's Day, but I don't oh, think you're running it before then. No, I, I am. The pre-sale is going to start in two days. Oh, you're okay. right on time. All right, I will not go to the music shop and get her that guitar. I was going to get her then. I'll hold fire on that. Uh, so I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely been sticky on that. But, you know, I am running my first ever coaching course for coaches mm-hmm. on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, someone approached me and they were like, um, how much time will this take of, you know, investment of my time and that kind of thing? And I said, look, it needs to be right for you. I'm going to put you in touch with people who actually do the job right now. You can talk to them. And then if it all works out for you, you can join. And if it doesn't, it's not for you, right? Yeah. And it, and it felt suddenly felt natural for me to do that. Whereas in the yeah. past, and that's abundance. In the past, I was coming from definitely scarcity. I would have been like, oh, this person's on the fence. I really need to try to get them in as, as quickly as I can. And the reason that yeah. I'm saying this now, Amanda, is like, yeah, okay, this is me talking about business, but that scarcity mentality doesn't just show up when I'm talking about money and business, it's in my fucking life. It's in my genes. Yeah, it's, it's in, in your everything. It's right. when you like buy a latte. It's like all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, oh, I know it doesn't say it. You know, did you read the part of my book where I said, God's not running out of people who need your help? Yes. Like yeah, yeah. it's not, it's not that deep when someone decides not to join something. Like we have this idea that there's only 10 people on the planet. Yeah. When we drop that idea, it's just like, well, there's always more people. I believe there's always more people being led to my work all the time. So I've just keep doing my thing and doing and putting out good content. More of them will end up in paid programs as well. And the people who never pay for anything and just do the free stuff forever. Like that's cool too. And because mm. I'm so like, sure that that's fine. And that's the vibe. Like it just really works out. Someone else could have a different kind of energy that would still be supportive where they're like, people love to pay me and everyone pays me and everyone who does my free stuff also does my paid stuff. And I think that could be a fine energy too. I just think you have to like get yourself behind something that feels good, feels clean, feels non-pressury to other people, non-pressury to yourself. And then you can kind of just like flow and like, Hey guys, I'm doing a coaching course now, you know? The thing about money, though, the other thing you made me think of is that money is just this relationship. Like people want to act like money is no big deal and like money can't bring you happiness and money can't keep you warm at night. And it's just like, it's kind of like ignorant because we're interacting with money all day, every day. Like every bill you get, every time you have to buy something, like when you're getting paid or not getting paid, like it is just in our awareness always because it's part of how we function as human beings like things cost money and it takes money to live so i think when you start feeling better about money and you trust yourself more with money and you have less anxiety around money i mean it improves your whole life oh wow you know incredibly i mean 
we pride ourselves at 1000 Day Sober, our community of, you know, really talking about the uncomfortable shit in life that people don't want to talk about. But there are still two things that, that I'm always banging the drum and trying to drum up conversation that people don't want to go there and it's money yeah. and sex. Like they, yeah, they just yeah, don't, yeah, it's yeah. so stigmatized to talk about but money. But it's like almost the only two things worth talking about. Like what is it my <laughs> yeah. dad used to say, my dad used to say something like, you just don't bring up politics, religion and sex or whatever it was. You don't like, there's these certain things you're not supposed to bring up at dinner. Yeah, or whatever, and they're the you ones know? you should do. Those are the only things I even want to talk about. Like what else? Yeah. You know, it's the only yeah, things yeah, worth yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you said in, in your book, um, money amplifies people. Now yeah. touch upon that a little bit, because like, if we talk about this, this nameless person, you know, and, and one of many people in, in, in my group who will come this way, um, by having that kind of belief that I can't afford it as being like the, the stepping stone of their, of, of their thought process and then thinking, well, money actually amplifies people. Like mm-hmm. if, if they could get this, then everything changes. Talk about it a little bit. I think money amplifies people and, every way possible. I mean, money is really great at showing you your fears. Money is really great at showing you your desires. Um, You know, if money was unlimited, like what would you do? Who would you be? How would you spend? How you would live? That's a huge indicator of like what you're made for. You know what I mean? What your heart wants, what your soul is meant to accomplish on the planet, right? So like, and money you know, amplifies our missions. Like it just costs money to do things out in the world. And like the way I, I am with money and kind of the dynamics I've created is there's just tremendous freedom. Like I can pay the people I need to pay. I can spend the ways I want to spend. I can save and invest and donate and give and purchase property. And it's just like so much freedom. So all money is doing in my life is just letting me be a more expressed thing and a more a more expressed me and a more fulfilled me and a more impactful me. It has just amplified me, you know? Mm. And it's interesting that we have all this like money is root of evil stuff. And it's like, how and why? Because I'll say one thing about that. It's not that greed doesn't come up or self like when you when I work with clients all the time who are making money for the first time. I think I mentioned this in the book and like, yeah, a lot of them will have like a moment of like entitlement or a moment of like, I'm paying these people. Should it be they doing, should they be doing it the way I want them to? Or like a moment of ugliness. It's not that it doesn't come up, but it comes up so you can like look at it. Like, why do you like, why did you, why was the situation inside of you where you felt unworthy and then you had money and now, and now instead of just feeling like worthy or feeling worthy all along, now you feel like better than people. Like, what is all that? Yeah, like, yeah. it's just like an indicator of shit. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you have stuff inside you to look at, you know? Mm. Yeah. It, 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 I like that. It's, you're almost saying, um, money and the way you're thinking about money and continually evolving around money, you know, you need to be asking yourself all the questions about what's going on and why is this happening, et cetera. Forever, et cetera. forever. Mm. Like, I think. I think it would be easy to say, and this is just life, you know, it's easy to look at someone else and be like, oh, if I had what they had, then I would be blah. And that's not really the way it is. Like, so someone could say like, if I had an eight figure business and I was a self-made multimillionaire and I had done all these things Amanda did, then like my money fears would be gone. And that's just not life because I'm up against money edges all the time. You know, my tax payment was $750,000. Like, that brought, up st- that brought up <laughs> stuff in me, right? Yeah, so it's like, yeah. you know, like 
the down payment on my house was significant. Like, so there's always the, like, if you're expanding around money and, and your ability to believe that you can receive more and use it well, and you have that going on, like new edges and new levels and new layers are going to come up forever. So we're never immune. I think we just understand more like what the process is. Like you said, mm. what the questions are, like we, we learn more of what it looks like to look at our relationship with money, you know, and then it, mm. and it gets kind of less scary. You kind of know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and, and, and I, you know, you, I was reading your book where you said the construction of your beliefs, your worldview, not merely around money, but who you were as a person was what influenced and created your money story. So for people listening to this. Be aware that culture, worldview, ideology, class systems, you know, yeah. they all they all create this persona of who we are and what we think we deserve. But that's yeah. all it is. Fucking story, right? Like it's like nothing. Get- it's just the way we believed it worked for our family, the way we believed it worked in our community, the way we believed it worked for people like us. It's, yeah, but it's just an idea. Mm. It's just an idea. Cause like the identities I had formed around what was possible for me would say that I should, man, still be paying on my student loans, living somewhere in the Midwest, like, I don't know, working at, in some, like, I, you know, I have a master's in counseling, working in some therapy job that's like, maybe I would get to six figures someday. I mean, that was like the hardworking small town Midwest trajectory hmm. that would have been like the, like, I don't want to just say like the good girl path, but like the contributing member to society. Like I did a good job vibe and it's just, there's nothing wrong with it. But when I looked at what I really wanted, I really wanted a lot. I wanted to impact a lot of people. I wanted to live in a beautiful place. I wanted to like, I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to run a company. Like I wanted all this, you know? And like, when we stop looking at what we believe we are meant for and what we believe, and that's not to say that barriers don't exist, right? Like I'm a white person. I don't have racial barriers. Like women have different barriers than men. Like people, disabled people have different barriers than abled people. Like we can talk, like the barriers are real. It's the emphasis we place on them around what it means we can't have where we fuck ourselves up. Like instead mm. of like saying like, yes, this is true. I am a woman. And some men will not respect me and some men will want to keep me down. And that is real. And I'm going to succeed because that is who I am. That's where I'm going. That's what I choose. That's who I be. That's how I show up. And that's more powerful than anything else. Like that's real in my reality. I had to make my power and my desire and my belief bigger than a lot of other stuff around where I came from and who I was meant to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I was, um, when I was younger, I worked on the railway for 20 years. And my goal was always to become the CEO of the railway and retire at 55, right? That was my mentality. And I hate, I hated it, right? So like, <laughs> I'm just going to go yeah. to work and hate it every day until 55 and leave. Um, and I, so I have this 20-year pension. My mom, I always remember throughout my entire life, it was like, I've got this pension and now I need to add little bits on it. And so, but the pension was like the heart of everything. My mom called me because she's in the UK, I'm, I'm in LA. And she called me and she said, Lee, your pension things come and I've opened it. Like I've got two pensions. And she was telling me how much it is. And uh, she said to me, wow, I, I had no idea you had so much money coming your way. And I said to her, I don't even need it anymore. Yeah. I can't believe my mindset was I needed this fucking pension. I needed a railway career. I needed to get to be a CEO. And I so 
limited yeah. myself. Uh-huh. Like yeah. I had no power. Like, you know? Yeah. Like we have no power. That's the thing. Like, I mean, it's a million different stories and situations and experiences. It looks so many different ways. But the idea behind it all is I am not powerful. I was made to struggle. And like we all have a, I don't want to say we all, because I don't, I don't know what it would have looked like to come from money, right? But I can say most of the people I talk to every day have accepted that something about them innately equates unworthiness and struggle. And it's like, why did we believe that? Mm. You know? Well, we're not taught about it, right? So if I, you know, what do we talked about in school around money? We're taught how to count it. And then I don't know about you, but every time I asked my dad for something, he said, no, he always, and he'd always say, why don't you go in the Fukimuni tree in the garden and get yourself some Fukimuni? You know, that was my dad all the time, right? So, Which reinforces the idea that money is limited, running out, has to be um, scraped by with it vibes. Yeah. And obviously the other thing for me as well, I think, uh, I don't know if you you picked this up in your clients was the um, external, the the need for external validation linked with low self-worth and taking my um, yeah, my self-worth from outside sources. So if I grew up in a class system, which was working class, if I yeah. now try to be middle class or upper class, if we just mm-hmm. stick with like the so-called class structures, um, then my working class friends will disown me. So I have to keep oh, myself. Oh, that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't say that's real. That's real. Like that is something that does occur. People have a hard, some people like you better when you play small. <laughs> that is real. Yeah. And there will be, there will be people who stay with you the whole while and there'll be new friends to be made as you played a, a different game with money. You know, it's not a good enough reason to stay small. No, no. I like unlimited. I liked what, what you said. And some people will want to keep you small. Some people like well, you better small. Yes. And we I like know. ourselves small sometimes as well. So I noticed more that. It's comfortable, but it's boring. But yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but I like recently after I read your book, so your book was a, it came at me right at the right time. And I realized that, I mean, you've surely done it. Like you've surely done this in your journey where you get to a point, actually, let me just say I, me, cause it's going to sound so narcissistic. Uh, I get to a point where I think, oh, I fucking solve life. I figured it all out. Like I'm, I've, I've just done this coaching course. I'm, I'm a fucking wizard. And then all of a sudden I realized that I'm not a wizard <laughs> at all. And I, I am, pl- I'm still playing small and I, and I'm, and, and because there's a payoff. But I can't mm-hmm. see the payoff because my resistance is doing such a good job to hide it from me. And then I read a book mm-hmm. like yours, and it was like, Lee, your your, your book basically you're said, playing Lee, really fucking small, yeah, <laughs> right, yes. right. When I thought yeah. I was playing big, but that goes on forever. I mean, like we just—I think the human capacity to excel. I think we up level again and again and again. We create new standards for how we want to be in the world and how we want the world to respond to us. You know. And like, we kind of, it goes on forever. It goes on forever. Like I could name for you like areas and ways where I'm like, kind of like bored. I'm like kind of playing small and kind of not really thinking of like what I even want next or whatever. I think there's always the potential to do that. I don't know. I think the people who like, you know, the people we just look at and we're just like, wow, they did it again and again and again and again. They kept up leveling like Oprah, you know, it's like, she's just never fucking done. And then she's going to do a network and then to have Apple TV. Like she's never fucking done. She's Oprah. Like, I think people like that constantly ask themselves, well, what do I really want now? 
And what tells me I can't have it? And what am I going to mm-hmm. believe instead? And they fucking go out there and they just do wild shit over and over. I tell you, um, somebody that I've, a type of avatar that I've always attracted from the beginning of me trying to help people quit alcohol is um, the woman who's become the housewife. Mm-hmm. who has no control over money and can't make a decision because the husband owns all of it. So they, they mm. end up they end up in my orbit and they really desperately want help to quit drinking alcohol, but they don't have the money because the guy's in control and they, but much more than that, they've, they seem to have given away their power over. They've given away their power financial and yeah. probably how, otherwise. How, yeah, yeah. How, how, how do you help people like that? So, my experience is because I can't think of a client I've had that was in that exact scenario. So I'll, I'll tell you more like the overall dynamic that I see with a premises like that is what typically happens is someone stumbles upon my work, right? So maybe they do some money meditations. Maybe they read the book. Maybe somehow they have enough for the first payment of a payment plan for one of my courses. And it's like they get in there and they begin to see things differently and they begin to open up to opportunities and they begin to feel better about themselves and they begin to feel more empowered and something shifts. That could be a million things. It could be the way they talk to their husband about it. It can be the way they're suddenly unavailable for being spoken down to and placed below someone else. It could be that, I mean, often it's just something really unexpected, like some kind of um, like side project or gig or a random check in the mail or a I mean, when you open up to limitless possibilities, a lot of different things can come through, but like, and the way the money comes through is important, but it's not as important to me as what happens when a woman or anyone else gets fully unavailable to not be in her power anymore, you know? So it's like, mm. what really, we, she's going to learn it through me teaching about money or whatever. She could have learned it a different way, but in my world, she'll probably learn it through me riffing about money, but it'll really be about the dynamic that she has created or been a participant in creating in her home and in her relationship with her family, et cetera. And when she starts to bust that and blow that up and like set new standards for that, I mean, men fall away, new men show up, jobs can come through, husbands have a change of heart, partners get raises, and we could go on and on and on, you know? I like the way that you said um, the situation that they created or part created because it equals responsibility and and doesn't allow that to wallow in, you know, blame, like I'm blaming my yeah. husband because of this. Like, she's yeah, not really going to help you. Your husband might be showing up as a full-blown, complete asshole. And maybe at the end of the day, you'll decide to leave him. Or like, I mean, who knows? We're not saying he's on an ass. We're not saying for sh- we're not Like, we have no way of knowing how healthy his patterns with you are or aren't. We're mm. just saying that once you feel empowered, there's going to be less room for you shrinking into a small space and staying Mm. there. You know what I mean? And I mean, there's so many things that are so sensitive to talk about. And this is one of them, but it, it takes two people to create any dynamic. So we're not saying that he isn't or she or whatever, isn't narcissistic or isn't crazy or isn't any of these things. We're just saying that something in you had room for that kind of dynamic. And that once that shifts in you, the dynamic has to shift. You know, yeah. I just literally before coming on to you, I interviewed Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote the Conversations with God, and we were talking. Oh, about, that's an amazing person to talk to. Hey, it is so funny because we were talking about God, and he looks like God. <laughs> I kept laughing. I, you kept Neil. You look like God. I but, mean, like 
seven years ago, I was like sitting in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the metaphysical bookstore, like flipping through conversations with God. I just think like, right, right. that's Amazing. kind of like a, a, like a classic, you know, yeah, like a solid yeah. classic. Yeah, definitely. And we were talking about, um, you know, forgiveness and, and Neil's new book is, uh, the God solution. And he's like, you know, forgiveness is a, is a bit of a problem. We don't need to forgive. We just need to understand why people do the things that they do. So in, you know, the situation that we're talking about, you know, with the female male dynamic and the patriarchy guys like making the money and all, and he's like holding the purse strings. It's kind of understanding what is going on, why it's going on, but then choosing to do something different, even, you know, out of that understanding and not getting stifled in it. I mean, I think there, yes. And many of the people I've had to forgive in my life, the forgiveness, like he said, came because of the empathy I developed for how they became who they are, right? Mm. Like when mm. you start to be like, oh, wow, how must that feel in their body and in their experience to be that afraid, that threatened, that this, that, that, you know, like when you have that empathy for a human, then like the forgiveness piece can kind of be natural. The, like the grudge and the resentment and whatever can all like kind of shift, you know? So in this dynamic where the man's being whatever, you know, yeah, if you understand how he got there, what his influences are, how he doesn't know how to this, that, and the other, you could have empathy and that could help you feel better. And it's just dynamic. Like the, I just think the bottom line is like the world is responding to us based on our beliefs about ourselves. And when we change that stuff, everything else has to change too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I and guess relationships can transform or fall the fuck away and both are beautiful, you know? Yeah. I, as someone who was with someone for 20 years and then got divorced, thinking mm-hmm. that this is the only person that will ever be in my life mm-hmm. and then realizing, oh, actually, there's someone else who's like more suited to me. Yeah. And then and then realizing, well, well, if this one fell away, then maybe it's someone else out there that is more, and on and on and on. And, he, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like that kind of thinking that I, I guess what the word that comes to mind when you, when you say that is expansion, abundance, yeah. rather than yeah. contraction and scarcity. There, yeah, there are an abundance of humans I think we can have a beautiful life with. I think there's ex- it can happen both ways. There can be expansion in having periods of being alone. There can be expansion in finding a new partner who is expansive to you. There can be an expansion with your current partner and your current relationship. Like I think it goes on forever. Expansion is always available. But I think kind of what we're saying is like knowing it's knowing you're okay no matter what happens in a relationship is really what it is. Mm, you know? Yeah. Like it might hurt like hell, define. but I will be okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that relationship. You know, I'll figure my shit you. out. I'll make my money, and I'll be okay. Mm, I like that. We was in Beverly Hills yesterday. Myself, my wife, and my daughter. Like mm-hmm. I said to you before, and right by me. Yeah. Yeah, and my my daughter. She's she's doing well now, but she was attacked by a dog uh, two weeks ago. Mm. Um, so we went to see a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills yesterday, and. Mm. We when have ta- a lot of those. I know. But when I'm They're talking, all- when I'm talking to people about that, like just that sentence, I took my daughter to see a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills. It's so far removed from my original. Oh, I totally story. get that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I hear the sentences out of my mouth and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah, it could be anything. Like I could be talking to a team member saying, like, hey. 
can you get this email ready? And can you blah, blah, blah. And hey, can you have so-and-so get gas in my car? And we need a grocery delivery. And like, I mean, yeah, because I could be talking about like business stuff and personal stuff and who's helping me and who's supporting me. And it's like, when did I get to a life where I don't go to the CVS myself? Like, I don't mm. like, <laughs> you know, like right. that's wild. That is right. wild. And it is my life and it is my reality. And my expansion has led me here to where when you say you visit a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills, I'm like, oh, good. You came to the right spot. Is he on Bedford? That's where most of them are. Like, that's what my mind does, you know? But you know how I got there, though? <laughs> this is so fun. Okay. So since reading your book, Rich as Fuck, and everybody listening to this, go out and get it. And it's actually good to say fuck after interviewing Neil Donald Walsh for an hour, because it's the only interview I've ever done in seven years where I've never sworn. Oh, yeah. You even feel called, better when you say fuck. He even yeah. called a baby shitting in his arm a biological accident. That That's how, <laughs> that's how like, um, cool Neil is not swearing. The, after I read your book, everything changed with me in terms of my mindset around money, right? Mm-hmm. And part of this is that like when Zia got bitten uh, by a dog, Liza said to me, you do realize this is like going to cost like fucking thousands, right? And my, mm-hmm. my mind had already flipped by then. And I was like, whatever, like whatever it is, uh, I'll, I'll deal with it. And I, I went into yeah. the hospital and I went to the window and I had to tell the woman that we had no medical insurance because I'm I'm a British guy living in America. Sure. Right? So you're so you're cash so I, pay. Yeah. So uh-huh. I tell her, I, I I tell her, and she says, um, oh right, you need to fill out this form. But before she did it, Liza said, Oh, does this card work? And she pulls a card out of the wallet and the woman goes, Oh, yeah, yeah, that'll cover it. Didn't have to pay anything there. And then the plastic surgeon said it's gonna be, I think it was like five hundred dollars to just see him. So my wife said, okay, we'll, we'll give you a ring back. And then they rung us back and said, uh, Dr. Rogers said, just come along. We're not going to charge you anything. Don't worry about it. Let's get to see your oh, daughter. Wow. And I am 100% convinced that that's because my mindset was, I don't, I'm, I don't give a fuck about the money. Like it will, it will be okay. Yes. And that is kind of like a paradox that I think feels so unfair when you're outside of it. And then makes sense when you're in it. What I mean is like years ago when I felt like the people who could afford things or the people who often got things for free, it felt so fucked up. Mm. And now that I am in a experience where I feel very supported by many and I don't mind spending money. Yes. There are many times where people try to do things for free for me because I'm in a belief system where I'm supported and that creates and attracts more support. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. It's like so it's a, all about the energy. I think it's about the energy you were in, you know? And it's like at the end of the day, you would have paid that 500. But it's also like you're a good human doing good things in the world. And the doctor just kind of had the moment of, you know what? It's okay. Like, let them come in, you know? And he didn't have to do that. But that's kind of like, I think a life where people support you, you feel supported by humans and you like to support humans. I think that's an available thing. I just think we often live outside of the construct like of that. Of like connecting mm-hmm. with people, expecting the best of them, expecting to support, be supported in you know unexpected ways. Does that make sense? Yeah, but and, but and compare compare the dog thing to the to the lady not being able to pay forty pound subscription, right? Mm-hmm. As a learning point. So let's say it was a lady whose daughter's dog had be a daughter had been bitten by a dog, and she had no Medicare, right? So in one mm-hmm. ans- in one instance, she's saying, "I don't have the money." Mm-hmm. So she's coming from scarcity. She's blocking herself and she's 
She's she's not even going to look at alternatives. And then mm-hmm. when her daughter gets burned, she has no alternative but to make this happen because it's her daughter. So the stakes mm-hmm. are raised. So all of a sudden, her mentality is, fuck, where do I have to find this money from? Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So So I'm saying that because at some point, if we're pushed or we push ourselves, mm-hmm. we will realize that we are limiting ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know for sure, because we've all had the experience, we've seen people have the experience where something that we can't afford, we found a way to afford because we decided it was worth it. We'd make it work. And it was like, whatever. And we got into that space of like, there has to be a way. And then of course there was a way. And I think kind of what you're saying, like my book, book put you in the space of is more like, there's always a way. There's, There's all, always going to be a way and I'm actually time. okay with money. Yeah. Like I'm actually yeah. good and I can kind of have like a supportive relationship with money and I can start to trust that, which is fully outside how most people live. Mm. Yeah. What your book taught me was there's no isolated instances here. There's no ceiling here. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you put it, you put it in terms of energetic set points. And you can talk about that in a minute, but I come away from it thinking, okay, so I know I can achieve anything that I want financially to a certain degree. The only thing that's stopping myself is myself to see how far I can push myself because it's far more comfortable not to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So you you made me realize that I'm just playing small because I like, I I get a payoff. I don't don't have to ask a friend to lend me 50,000 pounds because of the uncomfortableness of asking him. Now I read your book, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to ask him. And then I ask him, he's like, yeah, whatever. Here you are. Right. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is it that easy? What, 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 what just happened? Yeah. Right. So, you know, for me, I think that's really. So the important. inspired guidance for you, sorry to cut you off. I just want to make sure I'm like tracking with you. So you read the book, you had a loan you wanted to ask for. It felt overwhelming with anxiety. You kind of made it no big deal. Your inspired guidance was to go ahead and ask. And it was no big deal for him. And you're, and it was just like a very easy moment. It was bigger than that. It was it was um, between you and Neil Donald Walsh and a few other amazing mentors. There was this clue, and it was, "Don't worry about how it's going to happen. Mm. Just, just think it's already happened." So I'm around the around, fifty thousand pound vibe around that need. Well, my en- my energetic set point was fifteen grand, uh-huh. right? So my energetic set point was after reading your book. And we, you can explain energetic set points in minutes. Was I want fifty thousand pounds in my bank account every month, and when I see that consistently, I'm going to increase my energetic set point. So we'll yes. whiz back round to this. But can you just explain to people why that was important to you? Yeah, yeah. So an energetic set point. I also have called them energetic minimums and energetic maximums over the years. Like if you've like read other stuff I've done. Um, basically all that is, it's just the amount of money you can't imagine having less than, and the amount of money you can't imagine having more than we kind of all live our lives, like placing value and expectations on certain numbers. Like I can't imagine having more debt than this, but I never seem to have less than this. Same for savings, same for what's in our checking account, same for our income. We just all kind of have these set points that we've got gotten very, 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 very used to. And I think one thing I've done really well at is always increasing mine. Like I kind of stretch myself to believing I can have that next number that should be impossible, but that I've decided is possible for me and putting my faith and energy and belief around the idea that I can have that. And like you just said, being in the energetic state of believing it's already mine, it's already occurred, it's already done. So I think I've done that very well over a very long time. And for me, it's been, you know, my first energetic set point was 3000 a month. 
And now my energetic set point is $450,000 a month. And it's really, it's not any different. It's just that one little jump at a time, I got really comfortable with like a new level, a new set point. For people listening, we're not saying (laughs) you just sit there in a Zen-like state in your bedroom saying- No, no, no. That's where the inspired action comes in. So like my inspired action was first, it was like, well, let's do this life coaching thing. And then some of the inspired action was like, well, what if you do a digital course to help more people at a time? And what if you start mentoring life coaches? And like the inspired action has been a million different things. Like the book is a certain kind of inspired action because even though the amount of money the book is making is very like a very small percentage of like my my company's total revenue, like mm. the amount of money it has the potential of creating as more and more people get in my world and decide they want to one of my online education trainings of various kinds, like that could be millions and millions of dollars like in my lifetime. So mm. inspired actions are so many different things for so many different people. It's how you show up at work. It's the balls to ask for a raise. It's the courage to leave the job or start the business. Like the inspired action can be a million different things, but it's more just that you're in the belief that you can have the thing and you're willing to kind of like take the nudge or the chance on whatever guidance starts feeling like the next Mm. step for you. Mm. Right. Tension. There's a word that just come up now is like when, when you set your energetic minimum um, a little Mm -hmm. bit higher then the actions that are then orientated towards that are pushing you more to your edges. So you're feeling more tension. So you're likely to get more traction and grow. Whereas if you are feeling no tension in your life, then you're not really going anywhere and it's never going to change. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, no, it does feel that way. It does feel like, uh, it feels like a lot of different things. It feels like a decision to go bigger, uh, desire to help more people, uh, like, uh, a call to expand my business. It does feel like it does feel tense sometimes. And it does feel like, uh, like expansion isn't always comfortable, but I try not to ever let it feel like pressure. I try to keep the awareness of like, I do not die if this does not happen and I want it and I can have it and I'm going to go for it. You know? Mm. Yeah. I like that. So going back to what, what happened for me when I read the book was I just realized that the money's already here. So I'm, I'm running around LA. I had this new money mantra that my coaching group had uh, got me to say, and I was running around with this money mantra and I'm asking for money. But then I, I said to myself, no, 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 the money's here. So then I mm. said to myself, well, where is it? And I realized that I, Lee Davy, have the capacity at my fingertips to access millions of dollars, either through my network or through loans or mortgages or whatever. So the money's there. Sure. So then it's I'm always like, available. It's always yeah. been available. So I'm like, why haven't I? Why haven't I took taken it, right? And I think there's a couple of things in there. Maybe I wasn't ready to take it. Maybe I needed someone like you to come along to show me that it, it is there. Maybe I couldn't see it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe. And here's something I wanted to ask your your opinion on. Maybe I wasn't ready to receive it. And what's mm-hmm. that all about? It can be about a lot of things. It's like could not be worthy of it. Could not trust yourself to do good things with it. Could be a fear that if you get it, it's going to get taken away. The tax man's going to take it, or a family member is going to get stuck and eat alone, or like whatever. Like we all have reasons that we're not willing to receive the next thing. Something bad we could think could happen. A lot of uh, women will have the it's not safe to make more than my husband or make more than my dad. I mean, mm. it, all day long we have reasons. Mm. Yeah. So this, 
this, uh, I reached out to a guy and he was, and said, um, actually reached out to him and said, do you want, do you want to help me create a charity? Cause another guy was going to give me some money for a charity. And then he was like, oh, just give me an offer and I'll invest in your business. And, and the, literally it was done dusted within a, uh, a phone call. And he said yeah. to me, I don't, he said, I invest in people. And I feel that you're ready right now to receive my money and do good stuff with it. And it felt so fucking good to hear that. That's you know? amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So good to hear that. Because when I left the railway, I was earning 45000 And in the first two years as a freelancer, guess how much money I earned? 45000 on the dot. That's exactly like, what happened to me. Yeah. I quit my PhD program, like lost my stipend, like quit my other jobs, went full into my business. And I was like, wait, why did I make the same month this month as I made last month with all the other stuff? It's like, I really have a minimum around that. I have a standard there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that brings me to something you wrote in the book, your financial past and your current money habits have absolutely, completely nothing to do with what you get to do or choose to do from here now out, right? 100%, yeah. Because your fucked up patterns are based on fucked up beliefs. So I'm like, we can change our beliefs at any time. A belief is just a thought that we kept thinking. Like we can rearrange that, you know? And we've reinforced it in a lot of ways, but we can like untangle it, like rewind it, like work it out. So any of the, any patterns and habits are totally like malleable. Like we can change them, you know? And our history is just what we did when we didn't know what we're learning now. So yeah, for me, I didn't make anything mean much of anything. I didn't make the student loans mean anything. I didn't make the debt mean anything. I didn't make the lack of savings mean anything. I focused on the desire, which the desire was to have more money and help more people. And I was willing to be guided and I was willing to get into the vibrational energetic state of already having the thing I wanted. And I just kind of like devoted my time and energy to like that. And I did my well, thing. You did it. You were doing it. Um, you're making a big difference in the world. Folks, if you want to learn more you. about Amanda Francis, Get over to www.1000daysober.com, the podcast page. You'll see a little home there for Amanda. It'll have all the links. She's got a load, a load of free, fabulous free shit over there. Uh, get over there and experience her work. Amanda, thank you very much for joining us today at 1000 Days Thank Sober. you for having me. It was so fun. If you want to be somebody that doesn't drink alcohol or recover from any other addiction, improve your relationship with yourself and those that you love, or just want to learn to live a more conscious life, then here is what we can do to help you at 1000 Days Sober. Number one, we have a Strive subscription service, okay? So you pay a monthly fee, you come and join us, you come into our community, you get access to all our Marco Polo groups, you get access to our Kajabi group, you get access to uh, content that you will not see in the public sphere, mainly by yours truly, but by other people in my network are friends as well. What else do you get? You get access to a weekly coaching call with myself. So you can get coaching, a one-on-one -on -one coaching with me on that weekly coaching call. And you get money off various different workshops and uh, invites to lots of other free stuff. So that's our subscription service. You could do group coaching programs, okay? Right now we have two group coaching programs, both called the Strive Method. The first one is addictions, okay? And they last for six months. The relationship course also lasts for six months. We've got Strive Method for addictions, Strive Method for relationships. There are workshops, okay? Or you can work with me personally one-on-one, -on -one, okay? You can work with me personally one-on-one. -on -one. And if you want to get involved in any of that, then just head to www.1000daysober.com 
and you will find everything that's going on there, okay? We have pages there on the website, which will direct you in the right place and how to get hold of me, including a workshop space there as well. We're always running workshops, so you can sign up for those as well. Last but not least, if you do love this show and it has changed your life and you want to change the lives of somebody else, tell somebody about it and rate and review it in your podcast provider. I would really appreciate that. If you want to just reach out to me, ask me a question, just email me, 1kdaysober.com. Ah, at gmail.com. Much love, everybody. Bye.